Welcome back, guys, to the UW Film Club podcast, where every week we bring a member from the film club community and bring them on to talk about a film they bring to the table. It could be a good movie, a bad movie, a topical movie, or anything in between. My name is Greg Arrieta. I'm Louis Gollop. I'm Jim Saunders. Jim is our first... Victim. Victim for the <laughs> Film Club podcast. He's the first one that signed up. Yep. Tell us How are you feeling, Jim? Yeah. Uh, I'm feeling all right. Yeah, I haven't ever done something like this, so I'm, I'm, I'm new to it, but you know, I'm a little excited. You'll be great. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so, my name is Jim, like I already said. I'm a freshman here at UW. Um, I've been a pretty big film fan since probably about my sophomore year of high school. Um, that's, and when, that's when generally all people start, right? High school? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I started probably. with... I started with doing photography. Really? And then I moved into film. That's how I did it. You have a favorite film? Well, I'm, I'm assuming the pick, well, I won't say the pick yet, but do you have a favorite film of all time? Like of all time? Uh, Mine's like Back to the Future. Is this that's, that's been driving Pulp Fiction. That was my favorite movie for a long, long time. And then I saw Whiplash. And I think. Wow. I think that's probably my favorite movie. It's a good ever. choice. Like, good choice. Great film. The more I think about that movie and like the ending of it and J.K. Simmons, <laughs> I'm just like, there's really nothing wrong with that movie. Like, there's little things I can nitpick about like every single movie, but I like about a Whiplash. Like, there's literally nothing. Yeah, I, I feel like um, I might be wrong, but I think that J.K. Simmons like won. Pretty much every award he was nominated for. Got an Oscar for it. Well, yep. Yeah, he, he did get the Oscar. Because he but deserved like, it. Everything else as well, which is crazy. Yeah, no, 100% he deserved it, but it's like very weird to see uh, a consensus in film, you know? Yeah. Because e- e- even between like the Golden Globes and the Oscars, which are like the two big um, like film award shows, like there's typically a lot of different, like a lot of variation. And that's because yeah. like the Golden Globes, like, the way they do it is like, the voting block is different. Yeah. It's like, typically, it's kind of interesting because typically, like, there tends to be a lot more diversity in terms of, like, in terms of, like, the actors who get nominated and also they do, like, the, like, one... The comedy. The comedy and the and drama. drama yeah. <laughs> the one year they nominated The Martian for comedy. comedy. Yeah, Ridley Scott was... Yeah. That was yeah, the move. Like, that was the move. <laughs> yeah, this is you comedy. Know I don't know. Yeah, no, Ridley Scott was making moves. As a Universal distributor, I can't remember. Whoever was the distributor was making moves and plays. They were strategizing. Yeah. They were. I mean, Matt didn't Damon. get it. it. Got it, right? Yeah, I got it. As Matt, as Matt Damon got the got the best actor in a comedy. Look, I'm not gonna hate on the Martian. I like the Martian. This is good. Yeah. People think it's overrated, but I'm not. It's, it's a little, little bit overrated, you know. And it's always fun to see Donald Glover fall. Oh, yeah. he was in that movie. Oh, yeah. dude, I and totally he fell underused in that movie. I totally underused. forgot about that. And he felt like, like actually felt like it wasn't scripted. You know, when he slipped and fell in the right. movie, yeah, it was. It was just like what really happened. And they kept the cameras rolling. Well, that's a good, uh, you know, conversation starter. Uh, the first film from our community is. Sorry to bother you. Boots Riley's directorial debut from earlier this year. Yep. Um, you know, I saw it at SIF earlier in the year. I saw it at the press screening. Wow. How was it like? Well, like the press screenings at SIF are like in the middle of the day 
and it, like no one was there. It was like ten people there. Really? But it was it's the it was the centerpiece film. Really? For uh, for Sith. For Sith that year. But there's only ten people there. No, the press screening was before the centerpiece. Before the one. So they okay. always have. Okay. I don't know if I'm, I don't think it's just like NGA or whatever, but whatever. They had a press screening of it. Um, and um, that's where I saw it. It was really good press screening um, because no one's there. Um, uh, what were the reactions of the thing from where you well, saw? I didn't, everyone left. Or like, not, like, not like that, like you don't, get, you don't get the feel of other people's there. Um, I don't really know the people at the press screenings that well but when you're when you're there um watching the film i think the first you're under this little guise of like well i get to see a movie early it's fun yeah um there for me there are problems with this movie but it's still holistically unique in the way it tackles really serious subject matter mm-hmm. um so that's my take personally i i loved it a lot but i want to hear from uh, jim who picked the film so, yeah, tell us why you picked this film. Because it's one of the most unique and like completely original movies I've seen in a very, very long time. Like I don't think I've ever seen, um, like I've never seen something presented like all, like a bunch of serious issues that are presented in this movie tackled and presented in the way it does. Because there's there's a lot there's a lot to say that happens in this movie. Yeah. Um, no, it's very. There's a, there's a lot of different things that Boots Rally is trying to tackle, and I don't think it 100% works. But, but like you said, like holistically, it's like it. It does work. It's not perfect, but I really love this movie. Yeah. Um, my biggest, it's as my the way I would describe it is it's a social commentary about a lot of things. Yeah. And yeah. whether it's if it doesn't really like. It's not trying to like tackle a specific point, but present an all-encompassing image of society, yeah. rather than say an exaggerated this is image, but of a specific issue. So it's like they are they are talking about race relations, like labor practices, capitalism, culture. There's socialism. There's the um, Tessa Thompson at one point talked about colonialism. Yeah. It is like all-encompassing issues to paint a larger issue society. And I think if you're looking for a specific issue, it doesn't do each one enough justice, but it's not trying to do that. It's just saying, this is everything in society. These are all issues in it. Yeah, and this is what happens if stuff go too far as well. That's what I felt. Yeah. Uh, Personally, I really liked a really nice thing that the director did was uh, he didn't, you know, I love that he didn't pick a side, you know, even though he was slightly leaning towards the, uh, uh, you know, socialist side. uh, He sometimes shows like clips of basically when the activists threw the Coke Mm -hmm. can at at Cash is Green, yes, Cash is Green. Uh, And then she gets a deal out of it, which is pretty funny. And, you know making fun of like uh protesters selling out basically and it was pretty fun you wouldn't generally see that included in a pro-protest film right, right. I, I think no like i said I, like i i think that Bruce does a really good job at presenting like basically all sides of it because 
he basically presents all the issues and basically everything in this like absurd, this out there lens. Um, like I really liked the way he presented the one reality TV show. Yeah, <laughs> I got the, I got the, the shit out of you or whatever. We, we, we can swear on this, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I have said what the explicit box on the RSS feed is fine. Okay. Yeah. Um, the I, I got the shit kicked out of me, and I think a lot of the movie is about like how um, how people tend to like sort of normalize a lot of a lot of things that really shouldn't be acceptable, like in our society, like that show where people literally get the shit kicked out of them is like entertainment to them. And I think it like, again, it comments on on like, like reality TV and the absurdity of all that stuff. And also like how, um, there's just a lot going on in this movie. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, I think Squeeze said it best. Squeeze was played by the actor from uh, The Walking Dead. I forget his name. Oh, um, oh, uh, Oh, hold on, let me look it up. It's Steven, right? I think so. Steven Yuan. Alright, so that, that's it. Yeah, uh, he says something that's like, if, uh, you know, if someone's presented with a problem they have no control over, they generally they just, learn to accept the problem yeah. and move on. I think that, that line, I remember, yeah, yeah. thanks for reminding me of that, because that line like, basically encompasses like the entire meaning of the movie to me. Because even with the news, with the like the the the, the horse the Echo sapiens like no whoa, one really whoa, whoa. Yeah, let's, oh let's sorry that's, sorry that is like a whole point yeah we gotta we'll get yeah we'll shoot it like we just want to finish your point and then we'll just we'll just rip the bandit off because that is like the biggest point yes. in this movie. i probably should have said like spoiler alert <laughs> no there's no, no this is a spoiler filled podcast because that you point in particular that but, point. <laughs> but that line, I remember, came like right after like he goes on that yeah, show, yeah. and it's just like shows the clip, um, yeah. and then like nothing is really done about it. Like it's, people it, just sort of accept it as this is this is the world now. Yeah, yeah. that's a lot of parallels to what we're going through. Yeah, today, you know, and with the with everything that's happening right now. But yes, let's uh, let's rip the bandaid okay. out of this thing. I, so, I'm, again, I'm sorry about that. No, no, I just no, 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 we're gonna get to it at some point. So this film is technically a dystopian sense of the future. It's not so distant future, right? Yeah. But it is presenting a quote-unquote dystopian version of society. And it's also, it's always been hyperbolized up until this point. Like, if we had that, that out there TV show, get the kick, shit kicked out of you. Yeah. Um, like, like, Keith Stanfield has his white voice that he uses, that he uses, like, it's literally, um, him overdubbed with the guy from um, David Cross. David Cross from Arrested Development. Yeah, it's over. Like, he gets like a voice dub like that by him. They have like power callers. Everything's hyperbolized, right? Yep. And then near the end of the movie, it just goes to like zero to one hundred real quick. The, yep. the literal yeah. switch in the theater is like, oh my god, we this is happening, <laughs> and that would be the aforementioned. Horse people, right? Yeah. yeah. What are they? Equisapiens. Equisapiens. Equisapiens roll out. Uh, yeah. Army hammers. Um, <laughs> Army hammers. Uh, Stephen Lift. As yeah. Name. Let's let's talk about Stephen. Whoa, 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 whoa. One one talk one at a time. time. All right, my bad. With, so when he makes these things, it is so up until this point, the film. If you were not expecting this point, right? The film, I think. It creates like a jump between the two, so like it's been hyperbolized this whole time. 
And now it's like saying, this is the tipping point. We are now going full, the war, like everything is going crazy now. Yep, mm -hmm. everything is. We are entering a new mode of the film. Yeah, I always, uh, I watched this, you know, for the second time yesterday. I actually had my brother watching with me, you know. Uh, before I watched it the first time, people were telling me, yeah, it's a really nice movie, but then stuff really happens. Uh, by the end of it, and I was like, no, I, I enjoyed the movie from the start, you know, but then when the, when you first see him enter the olive door, supposedly, not the jade one, the oh, olive yeah, door, yeah. he, Steve Lift. Oh, I remember, that's a good joke. That's <laughs> that a was a good joke. joke. Yeah, I, it just blew my mind. I was like, what is happening right now? And yeah, it was great. And seeing the reactions of uh, of my brother to that as well it was very fun, you know. It's always nice to see the reaction of people going through mm -hmm. that tipping point. I, I remember, um, I didn't actually read anything before I saw the movie. I saw it back in like July, just like a standard like Regal Theater. And I was there with my friend, because she also wanted to see it. But I remember reading right beforehand, it was like, oh, like the twist in Sorry to Bother You explained, or something like that. I didn't click on it because I really wanted to see yeah, the movie. I didn't yeah. want it spoiled for me. But, you know, I really, I really didn't know what to expect from it. And up to that point in the movie, I was really enjoying it. And then that happens. And like my, I, I knew a, a twist, a quote unquote twist was coming. Yeah. But th that really is not anything like I was anticipating. Yeah, no. And like my, my jaw was agape. Yeah. That entire time. Part of the, the benefit of like humble break here, going to the press screenings, is um, that you don't, know what's going to happen. Also, the fact that this show is a festival, so not, I think it premiered, I think it premiered somewhere else. It didn't, definitely didn't premiere at SIF, so it's just shown elsewhere. But in the, like, the festival setting, you don't get a lot of um, context for a lot of these films. Most of it is just literally a one or two sentence blurb that you see in the catalog, mm -hmm. you know, like, that looks cool. But in this case, you, you were getting some hype coming out of the prior festivals that it premiered at, so you knew that is like a film to see, but it nothing prepares you for this moment. Like not even the trailers yeah. do not like hint at. Oh, this is not at all. This is a good. That's a good way to do a trailer. The trailers only show the first two thirds of the movie. Yeah, which is good because then it flips. Exactly. And you're like, oh, we're entering this whole new other mode, and it's, it's. You could say it's like it's. I don't know. I don't know if you can call it the climax because it gets crazier after that the horse people like start rioting yeah they break free and then yeah. it gets and i think that's the climax because then everything just diffuses after that mm -hmm. well, um diffuses and then there's like the ending oh the very like the last, last shot, shot. yeah <laughs> where he turns into the horse person and then goes shows up to steve lift's house like yeah. right after the title mm -hmm. shows up that that was a really fun way to end the movie i mm -hmm. feel like that was a perfect perfect way to end it yeah it's done that it's definitely switches from for that and for me it, i think it goes like it's trying to present a picture of society and then it goes into this mode where it's like we're going crazy and it's kind of detracting from that but then then you if i say that then it's like well up until that point it's been operating under this certain notion right so it's I don't know how to reconcile with me. I mean, it's definitely different. It is 100% different. It is a unique film, yes. Yes, it is unique in that sense that it just, it's so, uh, like, not obscure, but 
It's crazy. It's, it is. It's crazy. It's a, it's a wild exercise in imagination. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the actors and the acting in this movie in general and the cast. Like, it's, it's kind of a stacked cast. You know, there's... We'll start with... Lakeith Stanfield, yeah. uh, who is from Atlanta. He plays Darius, and that is like... He's one of my favorite TV show, uh, he's TV in show characters. He's been in a lot of stuff. He was also stuff. in Get Out. He's also in Short Term 12. He's in like every. Yes, he's in Short Term 12. Did you know he's in the new? Um, I think he's he's pretty. She's in the new, new uh, Spider movie. Not yeah, spider the, movie. the girl, girl that drags spider web. Yeah, yeah. With Claire Foy. Claire yeah. Foy. I didn't even know he was in that until the second trailer. Yeah, no, same, same. The that second like, trailer played before a screening. It played before Venom. That's what it was. Yeah. And I'm like. That sounded like Keith Stanfield's voice, and the dude's like sniping people through a wall <laughs> in that trailer. And I'm like, oh, he's in this movie. Oh, yeah, I don't think he was in the first trailer like at all. But I, I just saw the first, the second trailer last night before Star Wars one. I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's definitely him. And it's like okay. he's in there. Yeah. And then um, he had done a stage play with Spike Jones. Oh, I've not heard about that. Yeah, he he's good in that. Um, He's in short, I'm pretty sure I said short term 12. Yeah, that's a great movie. We, that's where I first saw him. As well. No, I've heard, I've, my first exposure to him was Atlanta. And then I think I watched short term 12 like very shortly after. I still haven't seen short term 12 or Atlanta, but I've seen Get Out because everyone's seen everyone's Get Out. Everyone's seen Get Out, yeah. Um, um, did you guys see him in Death Note? Oh, oh yeah, that was, that was the fortunate reason. That was the only reason I was going to see it, but then I... It is... The movie is not good, but the performance is unique. He plays like this, um... He plays, was it Light or something? No, he plays the the dude that eats the candies and like he's investigating the main character. And it is like... out there, so... Um, not his best performance, in my opinion. He's given like 110%, and he really needs to be like, <laughs> he's bringing it back a little bit because the movie's just not good. Yeah. But, you know, maybe if it was in like, his performance was in a better movie, maybe we would have thought of him, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, who else? There's Tessa Thompson, who's in uh, a lot of movies as well. She plays she's in. Uh, she plays Valkyrie, I think, in uh, Thor Ragnarok. Uh, she was she was in Creed. She, she was, was in Creed. In, yeah. I'm trying to think of what else. Um, I think she was in Westworld. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. In Annihilation earlier this year. Oh yes, she was in Annihilation. Yeah. I don't yeah. think she was in Westworld. Maybe in no, season two. No, Ryan Davies says it is too. She's in Westworld. Yeah, she's in Westworld. Which is it in the new season or? Because I haven't seen the new season. I haven't seen season two. I don't. I don't. I don't the show is just like oh yeah. Oh, it's fine. It's a thing people talk about. People yeah. do talk about that. Yep. Uh, there is Terry Crews in the movie. He's, well. not, he's not in it enough. <laughs> he's not in it enough. He should be there more. Yeah. That is true. Danny Glover as well from Lethal Weapon. He's he's, he's just yeah. I, I expected him to be to be more of a like a dominant role, but yeah. he's he's kind of just the guy who shows Cassius like what the white voice voice is, and then yep. he's just um. um I kind of supporting, like a nice side character. Yeah, I wouldn't nice. say supporting role, but a nice cameo. You get there for a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you get, I didn't know this. Lily James plays Detroit's white voice. Oh. 
Wow. Didn't know that. I didn't even know she had one. I thought that was just her actual voice, to be honest with you. I think they... I thought she was speaking in a British accent. Yeah, I'm just looking through the IMDb right now. I'm like, ooh, didn't know that. So that's um, a thing. I think, uh, I think Patton Oswalt is also in this as a white voice. I think he's Danny Glover's white voice. That could be wrong. Yeah, it's either, it's either that or the, or the Mr. Yeah, Mr. Bleep. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. I don't know what his what the name is because they never. Is that supposed to be like metaphorical? Because oh, like, is it Mr. Blank? Mr. Blank. That's what it says here. Is I because I was wondering about that. Is that supposed to be like metaphorical because it's like his identity's like sort of been taken taken away. Like because of yeah, that's voice. a good way to read it. Because that's that's it. how I that's how I pictured it. That's one aspect I want to talk about the film is that the selling out aspect, right? Right. Yeah. So if you're part of, he's like he is no longer a part of like the labor the issues with labor practice, right? He's no longer suffering for that, right? So yeah. he doesn't he's starting between selling out and just saying I'm gonna earn money, I'm gonna be part of the power callers, I'm gonna just sell forget everyone else that had these problems, right? I'm not going to be like an ally to these people anymore. Or do you stick by? Like, if you're even if you're not subject to these problems, right? Do you still do you still help these people or not? And I mean, the answer is obviously help them because that's yeah. the way the film plays out. Right. And I mean, you should do it in real life. But I the the his transition in the film is mostly um, coming reconciling and dealing with who he is becoming and who he was and whether or not. If who he's becoming is a person that he used to hate, like he used to hate the person he's becoming. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point. I feel like uh, Dynamite Tessa Thompson's character actually says Detroit. that uh, Detroit. Sorry, not Dynamite. My bad. Detroit says it like the old you was like more it. interesting. Yeah, yeah. To Cash is green. Yeah, she says that, and I feel like that basically echoes your point. Mm-hmm. I think that like Mr. Blank is like kind of what um, Cassius could have been, like a representation of, Ca- of what Cassius could have been yeah. if he had like continued on that path. Um, and then he would have like completely lost his identity of what he like used to be because now he's like, you know, propelled into this mm-hmm. this world where like, I don't know, there's a lot of... There's a lot of stuff in there. But he does make uh, a good point when he just uses his regular voice at the end when they're in, uh, when they're in Steve Lift's party. Uh, he says it's like basically, you know, you don't complain about what you got to do. It's it's for the struggle, basically. Right. You, know? you just you just got to do what you got to do. That's like the point that uh, the guy made, and I feel like which guy made? I'm a little Mr. Black. Mr. Black. Okay. When yeah. he I'm talked to the well, he's on some of the finer details of this film. Yeah. So he he him. basically says, you know, you got to do what you got to do when you're put in a situation where you're lesser than everyone, and that's mm-hmm. like. An argument that a lot of people uh, make that is opposing to the let's help, you know, mm-hmm. let's help everyone. Mm-hmm. It's like when you are, you know, pushed down by society so far, uh, you gotta sometimes just fight for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I love this film again. It presents multiple sides to the story, which is nice. Do you want to talk about Army Hammer's character? Yes, Steve Lift, the uh, outfield CEO. Is great. The first introduction to him we get is whether or not he's explaining whether or not his system worry free is slavery or not. And the only way he explains it is we don't force them to sign the contracts, they do it voluntarily. Mm-hmm. So it's not slavery. 
but it's basically the same thing. Right. And like he says, it's all explained in my book. I'm on top. That was that was hilarious. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Army Hammer just had that. That was right off of uh, Call Me by Name. So he's like, he's like, you know, making some. He used to be like kind of not like one well, of boy I think after Lone Ranger kind of declined popularity a little bit. Yeah, wait, he was in Lone Ranger? Because before that, he was in The Social Network, right? He is, yeah, he's in The Social Network. That's the Winkle Vi. Winkle Vi. <laughs> Plays both of them. He's Plays great. both of them. And then he's like, he has like small roles, but then like, call me by your name, I feel like he's kind of his resurgence. And then like, there's yeah. petitions for people, people like, get him on to be like, Green Lantern and stuff like that. No, he would be, he'd be great as a Green Lantern, actually. Yeah. I think... He's a good actor. I feel like just yeah. the Lone Ranger was kind of just like. I mean, that was a bad movie. Huge general part. for everyone involved in that. You know? Yeah. What What else was he in? Like those other than Call Me by Your Name? Because I I feel like he was in something else. He's in Nocturnal Animals. Yeah, he was in Nocturnal Animals. And then he was in like Free Fire. So like that this, was a really good film. This Free Fire. This is just 2016. Like his 2016 is great. He has Birth of a Nation, Nocturnal Animals, Free Fire. Um, and then he goes into 2017 with Call Me By Your Name and, uh, sorry to... Cars 3. <laughs> Cars 3. It's, it's not his best Cars performance. Cars 2 or 3. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes, Pixar. <laughs> Yikes. They just love Cars, man. Um, I mean, I'm looking at IMDb, so he still has a word, but, you know, he's not... I feel like right now, right in the moment right now, he is a very popular actor. Yeah. And I think it's probably because of Call Me By Your Name. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that was really good. Favorite movie of uh, of last year for me. I thought it was Get Out. No, it was that, then Get Out. Okay. Number one, Call Me By Your Name. Number two, Get Out. I see you. Yeah. Oh, let's talk about... I, I want to talk about the calling system. Because the calling system is unique. I like how it's um, it like literally teleports you to the yeah yeah that was that, that contributes a, to the style of the film yeah yeah that was a really uh, the style of the film is very nice it's very like uh, psychedelic and I, I really like the title cards obviously because oh, I'm a huge I, fan I, of stylized I love I love how those always will appear like in the background like in in, in like Detroit signs that she's looking yeah. and like in the buildings like it really like I I, I really like that style a lot it is pretty good. It makes it it makes it feel like it's like oh it's it's like the real world but it's like a little, a little bit off yeah it's like a little bit surrealist it's trippy yeah yeah and, the, and then within the power call system it's really commentating on like I think that is where you get most of the race commentary in terms of white and black you know power dis, dis, uh, differentials yeah like he, like if he has the black voice on his phone. He doesn't get sales, but when he switches over to the David Cross white voice, then he starts making sales, and that's where you get the most from that commentary aspect. Yeah. Um, I think that's like the clearest point he made. Like, I'm showing you this. You know, this is what I believe. I think that's the. That's probably the yeah. That is the most. I would say, like the most developed commentary, like. the colonialism thing only appears in Detroit's art show piece, yep. mm-hmm. and that's it. And then it just like 
we're we're moving back to the the identity crisis that Cassius has. Mm -hmm. um, but the the racialations is probably the is in my opinion the most developed aspect of the film. Yeah, I don't know if this is uh, intended, but I I noticed that like each time, uh, you know, he went up and uh, like how do I say he he got better at the calling thing. He got closer to who he was calling. You know, it started with him like being pretty far away from from the two people who was, you know, the two people who were having breakfast, and then two people who were having sex. He was like uh, far away, a little bit far away. But then when he started using the white voice, the guy was much closer to him. And then when he became a power caller, he was literally right next to the dude he was calling. I didn't notice that. But yeah, probably right. Right, right. So that's a really good. I, I I didn't really think about that until now, actually. Yeah, no, and it was like you know very intimate too, like where, where he basically turns on the bidet for mm. the dude, and and that was pretty interesting. What they sell, what the power car sells, is so cool. Oh. They're just selling like mass military weapons. Yeah, like giant surplus contracts and slave labor. <laughs> that is like it's, it's like this mystique black market items that you say like. Like who who is providing all these these items to people? And it's so it's not like a, like an explanatory variable, but in this crazy zany world yeah. where you have this private company just literally selling over the phone, um, like hey, want to buy these uh, missiles? Yeah, I mean that, that I feel like in itself is is commentary on just how money basically rules the world. I mean, who's gonna stop them? You know, yeah. if it was. Like you generally, I would expect like black market to be very Silk Road, baby. Yeah, stuff like that. You know, deep web, all that shit. But this one, you know, even though I didn't expect it to be like that, I feel like it could possibly be like that, and I wouldn't know. Well, well, I well, not an expert, but the government hands out military contracts all the time. Like they hand out. Uh, what was it, Raytheon this past week had just gave up or got a contract and they're just like massive billion dollar contracts to, for defense. So, uh, I mean, it's not like unreasonable to assume, you know, people are calling out and making deals like that, so. Yeah, no, but I feel like there is like that kind of call center. Yeah, as well. when I mean unreasonable, I mean like in this world, right? So it's not like, sometimes a film presents like an idea that's just not, you're like, oh, yeah. that is, like the book of Henry, that idea of Henry like trading stocks at a ten year old oh, and all that, <laughs> everything that encompasses that movie, you're like, this idea is not Rick and Morty did that better the you know. When when uh, have you seen all of Rick and Morty? Yeah. Yeah, when have you seen all of Rick and Morty? Yes. Great. Okay. Uh when Morty becomes uh basically American Psycho. Yeah. That was better than this the Book of Henry. My bad. Book of Henry is just a horrible movie that we talked about oh, on yeah, the first that, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I, I so haven't bad. seen it, but I've heard that it's like... <laughs> You're better off. It's about, it's about like this this kid, and then like he has this like journal thing, and then like he he dies, but then like... He's trying to the, commit. The yeah. mom tried, like, reads the book, and it's like instructions on, like to kill... She's convinced. <laughs> yeah. To kill, like, the, the, the dad of the one girl or... The, the neighbor. She's convinced to kill the neighbor. Yeah. Which is, like... The, that, the fact that this parent or adult, this full-grown adult who doesn't have the mental capacity to understand not to kill a person 
is like baffling. Yeah. Which I think it's a really interesting contrast that you bring up, like, oh, you know, that that, that stuff could be happening in the world when you don't you don't really know. Yeah. And like it's like it's not really that unrealistic. And I think mm-hmm. that's the testament to to like the entire movie and it's presenting everything in like yeah. sort of an absurd weird lens. Like, but it's like this could be something that's like actually. Yeah, everything happening. everything is one step away yeah, from our right. like, it's, like, it's, like, like it's just one everything's still like a little bit exaggerated, but then it also makes you think like, oh, like this is like has this kinda got some bearing on like the real world, which is a really interesting thing to think Do about. Do you think we will have Echo Sapiens though? Oh hell yeah. <laughs> you think we'll get that? One day. And then, no, that's the crazy thing, the plan, like the plan that he was, that Steve Lift was telling Cash Screen, hey, uh, we're going to, we're going to create an Equisapien Martin Luther King. Jr. And you're, yeah, you're going to be And you're going to be it for five years. And I'm like, whoa, number one, that's very problematic. Number two, that's very problematic, you know, uh, but like... You know, it's like, it just goes to prove basically that uh, Steve Lift doesn't think of anyone else as a real human being. Because he's on top. Because he's on top. They, he just thinks he's of them as assets like, or uh, objects to use to further his own. Yeah, he's just the embodiment of like a white ambivalence, just completely oblivious to yeah. everything yeah. around him. Oh yeah, because he, he, he thinks everything he does is like normal. It's, yeah, it's, it's, really it's, funny, it's, it's a really funny scene like yeah. right after he sniffs things like, oh, you think I wouldn't tell you? I'm not crazy. But he did. Yeah. He did do that. No, but yeah, the funny thing is like, He's like, uh, I didn't want you to think I was doing this for no reason. Yeah, yeah. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> this is crazy on its own. Like, there's, it's like, no, it's rational. That's his argument. Yeah. It's rational. Like, no, it's it's not. He completely believes in what he's doing. It's yeah. just like, it, yeah. it, it, it is only rational if you ignore basically all principles of morality. Mm-hmm. You know, like everything that is right or wrong. And then just say, hey, there's no such thing as right or wrong. So Equisapian slaves, yay. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's some of this. But the thing is, like, if we did have the technology to do that, do you think it, it would be done? I mean, that's what robots are for, right? We're not yeah, trying to make... We're, I don't... Were we going to like are we just a philosophical podcast or a film <laughs> podcast? I don't know. Hey, I mean the the questions that the movie presents they're pretty interesting, you know. They are interesting questions. Uh, I think it would be uh, we would be very uh, ignorant to act like these are not themes in the film. Yeah. I don't think we would. I think we are moving towards like automation, and that's, that's yeah. No, a, but I'm saying like. Not that I'm saying, like, if we had the technology now, instead of automation, a new breakthrough in, in uh, biological modification or whatever, just like what the, you know, the TV screen advertised it as, basically when like uh, Cassius was going on the interviews and, you know, spreading that shit, the news was just saying that it was a great breakthrough in technology and the stock market soared and everything. Yeah. Do you feel like that could happen? Like that would be the realistic response to that technology coming out? Instead of, hey, this is, this is literally slave, <laughs> slavery. I mean, they have, they have this thing called CRISPR that lets you edit your genes. Yeah. That's, been t- that's like testing. Yep. But 
would we do it? I don't think so. I think the market is too focused on automation. Like we're too, we we're too deep in automation. We're too focused I'm on not, I'm not trying to ask like, I don't think we do it to Americans necessarily, but what stops from like international uh, factories from doing that? And like American companies using that business. Again, I say like automation. You don't pay a robot. True. I think but you don't pay those workers. This is way too philosophical. You don't pay those here. workers either. This yeah, is way too late. philosophical. We're like we're like five steps removed <laughs> from what we actually try to talk about. Yeah. Removing from automation though, like like if if we hadn't already made such progress in automation that we had, like and this this option was brought up. Like no, then automation, I feel like, if automation is, you know, good, then, like, automation will probably be the choice. But if it was, like, before we get full-on automation... No, yeah, that's what that's what I'm Oh, if, yeah, that's what I was asking. Before we get full-on automation, I don't know, I feel like maybe uh, it will happen in terms of, like, at least, you know, we have sweatshops now. Maybe those yeah. sweatshops will be uh, Equisapien sweatshops. Yeah, who knows? Would, would you ever know? <laughs> would you ever know, exactly. Like, would you... It, that's, a, that's an interesting one. Would you ever know if it did happen? Like, if it's happening right now, would you know? Not immediately, but it would get out. It would get out, maybe. Not if it's well protected. <laughs> you know? Area 51. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like Area 51 conspiracy theory. This is a conspiracy podcast. All right. No, it's not. real. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Anyways, uh, let's, let's just go to something a little bit more like... Audible. Back to the, <laughs> back to the podcast. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, it's beautifully shot. It's a beautifully shot film. It's really well edited too. Well edited. Yeah, I would say it's. I would. I would say it's better edited. I agree, with Jim. I don't know. It's the shot wise. When I think of like well shot films, I think of something like um, Oh, Where There Were Thou, or like No Country for Old Men, where it's just beautifully shot. This one was. I think the editing really helps. Or yeah. you get that. Like the the earrings are great. The earrings yeah. that Detroit has, oh, those are I great. Love those. Yeah. Uh, kill, kill, kill. Kill, 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 murder, murder, murder. Um, and it just punches. Tell the Homeland Security. And it does like that. That was pretty. Yeah. She like waves her hands by yeah. it, and then it makes that. Um, this is the one. That showcase sound. Yeah. It's punching in. That's great. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I like what I mean by beautifully shot. I mean like in terms of how they capture the subjects, of uh, you know the like the people, the actors, basically. Uh, for example, like Cassius, there's a shot of Cassius, uh, green, and like behind him, the, there's like a fax machine or oh, no, all the papers are going to papers all. That was a really that was, that a really was good very shot. that was very nice to see. That was very visually appealing, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a similar well, shot. There's a similar shot later on in the in the movie where Mister Mister Bleep is like standing behind. There's like a rocket going on, going <laughs> off in the background. Yeah, a, a lot of a lot of really good framing and like uh, visual comedy. Throughout yeah. the movie, the movie's really funny. Mm-hmm. The movie's really it is funny. a it is a funny movie. I love even the, though like it presents like such serious topics. It is yeah hilarious. The I'm, I'm thinking about like the one scene in the the elevator where there's like the the one the one lady speaking. Um, oh yeah, yeah. The uh, she says well, the what announcement. Did you say? Uh, you mean the the yeah not 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 that other woman no like, yeah oh she I think she's like you're in your sexual prime I hope yeah. you did not masturbate today Cash Green we need you to be sharp and ready to go yep exactly we need you sharp and ready to go damn you're gonna memorize did you watch this yesterday yeah oh okay okay that explains I'm like how do you memorize all these quotes <laughs> no I watched it yesterday with my brother and I like he loved it I loved it it was it was great. 
Yeah, no, it was a fantastic film. Loved it the second time around. I think more than the first time, personally. Because, like, there's, like, stuff you miss always. That's the second time. That, that, that is, for me, if I watch films like I'm either like more or hate more. But I think this one is going to... I think this one you like more on a second time. Very rarely do I find films that are just, like, I watch a film again because then it confirms my idea that I had the first one. When you watch it again, you're, like you said, you're, you're finding things. Yeah. A lot of I'm kind of scared. I mean, I've seen it twice already, but I'm scared to keep watching it because I love this movie so much. And a lot of movies that I love the first time around, I find that like there's I find little things about it the second time around that I don't I don't like as much. Um, same reason I'm scared to watch Searching again. Oh, because I love Searching, but like I'll already go into it this like knowing what happens for yeah. Searching. True. I feel like it's gonna lose its effect for me. Like, yeah, for me, for me, it kind of works like that for like story based, you know, like heavily yeah. story based thing. But sorry to bother you even with the twist, seeing it again. I feel like seeing it with company also gives some more enjoyment to it, seeing other people's reactions yeah. mm-hmm. to the twist too. And all? Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, uh, as what I was gonna say was, uh, on the other hand, sometimes like uh, some of my favorite films, uh, of all time weren't my favorite films of all time when I watched them the first time mm-hmm. and then I watched them a second time and then I watched them a third time then I watched them a fifth time and then a twentieth time and that's why Spider-Man 3 is my favorite movie of all time <laughs> yeah, <I agree. laughs> actually Spider-Man 2 is one of my favorite movies of all time no that is not, not, not even a no, no, no ironically that is a fantastic yeah, movie yeah I rewatched um, this past Thanksgiving they put on the original Spider-Man and like in a room with everyone talking um, and kids running around, I was like watching this film. I'm like, wow, this this Marvel movie made in like early 2000s. It's up, so it hold up not a Marvel. So it sold up. It, it holds up much better than any Marvel film. Exactly. Can. It is dealing with themes that are so much yeah. deeper and better than any of these Marvel movies. Especially Spider-Man Two. Like yeah, Spider-Man Two is amazing. All about just like how much you're willing to sacrifice in order to you know yeah. be a hero. It's just, it's so good. It's so good. And Spider-Man Get it together, Kevin Feige. Get it together. <laughs> Why can't... You don't know what you're doing. Make Spider-Man great again. Just yeah. rehire Tobey Maguire. Rehire Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire. Yeah. And don't give Avi Arad the uh, chance to yeah. produce. Because every time he does that, he just fucks things up. Spider-Man 4 was basically cancelled because of him. Yeah. Uh, the producer. He was a shit producer. He's the one who, who made their view that. Do you guys take on Homecoming? Uh, I like Homecoming. I like it a lot. Homecoming's very good. But I mean, I'm still original trilogy fan. I'm, I'm you know, anti-Homecoming and pro Andrew Garfield. Oh, I no. hated I Andrew don't Garfield. agree with that. Here's the thing. Going back, going back to all I love Andrew Garfield as an actor, but Here, I hated him as Here's the thing. Going back to rewatching films, I have not rewatched Amazing Spider-Man 2 since I left the theater. And I remember being very fond of me. And I'm not gonna go back and watch that movie until I'm ready. Until until I rewatch like I'm gonna watch I'm, I plan on watching Spider Man Spider Man one, two and three. I think they're on Amazon then, Prime now. And then going into Amazing Spider Man and then I will reevaluate my opinion. However, as it currently stands as someone who has not seen uh, the OG trilogy, the holy has trilogy. not seen them more recently, right? Yeah. I have not seen Amazing Spider Man recently. Pro Andrew Garfield. I will say this. Um, I think out of all the Spider-Man movies, the Amazing Spider-Man ones are overall the weakest in my opinion. But 
I think the relationship between Peter Parker and um, not Mary Jane, Gwen, Gwen. I think yes. I think that's like the best like relationship we've seen in any of the Spider-Man movies. I think that's really well developed. The dialogue is is really good. Um, I could give you that. I feel like a lot of that's gonna marry a, Mary a Jane. lot of that is is you know? is due to um, what's what the the guy who directed it. Who also made Five Hundred Days Mark of Summer? Webb. Oh, Mark Webb, yeah. Five Hundred Days of Summer is a great movie. Yeah, um, that's where Mark Webb shines. Yeah, I feel. He didn't that, that, that's he why. Didn't. That's why it's like the. Chris Evans. Oh, that's a good movie too. Haven't seen it. No, but that's why. Gifted. Oh, Gifted. Yeah. Uh, that was. I was gonna see it, but then I. I was going to a screening. I was like, "Is it worth me going down town, going downtown to see this movie?" And my answer was no. So I didn't go. I mean. Hey, you, you watched the Book of Henry, so you got that was totally that was different <laughs> circumstances. <laughs> totally different circumstances. Didn't they, didn't they fire? He was gonna do episode nine, right? And then that came out, and he fired him. Oh yeah, yeah, Colin Trevorrow. Colin Trevorrow. Yeah. Yep. Bye yeah. bye. Bye bye. Thank God. Thank you. I mean, that's that's a good that's a good. That's thing. a whole other issue. I don't want to talk and, about. I don't want yeah, to talk about episode nine. Yeah. Someone, hey, if you're listening. Made it this far in the podcast. Bring on episode Star Wars. Uh, the Last Jedi. We would love to talk. Please, someone bring the Last Jedi. Please what, don't, because I will just like hate on that movie. I will rip that movie apart. There are certain aspects that are good, but Wait, you will rip that movie apart as well. Well, I'm like middle, I'm like middle of the road because I'm I'm down to like destroy that film. I hate it. We need with a passion. Okay, what if we ever do that podcast? We need to find like a pro person. We can't just we need to find like someone who Carlson. likes it. Likes that movie. Kevin likes it too. We can find that. Um, but yeah, that movie. Ooh, that's another issue. Let's just not talk about that. <laughs> yeah, that's not talk about Sorry to bother you. So, God damn, we might have to cut that. We have to Boots Riley. Uh, anyone know whether he's going to direct something? I really hope so. I really hope so. I think office. this is one of the, the, the few movies that I've seen in a long time where it's just like. This is entirely someone's vision. Yeah. Like there's there's no interference. There's not like there's there's nothing. Like this is entirely the story he wanted to tell, and you could really tell it through the through the style, through the directing, the editing. Yeah, no, it's, it's fantastic. It is very well done, and I really hope he does more. Uh, is, is he? Is there any other like uh, musician turned uh, director? Not musician director already. Like John Carpenter was a musician and a director at the same time. But like somebody who started out in the industry, like in the music industry, and then went to... That's a really good question. Went to being a director, because I think he might be the only one that I know of right now. Or, or, the, only one that, or the only one that made an amazing movie. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. The only one that made an amazing movie. Right now, there's someone listening and just screaming at us, because there's probably an obvious answer. Yeah, probably, but... Oh, wait, Barbara Streisand, right? Was she, uh... She got... But did she become direct? No, I'm not talking about like uh, musicians turned actors because there's a lot of them. You know, there's Justin Timberlake, there is Lady Gaga. Uh, Jamie Foxx, or was it the opposite way for Jamie Foxx, where he was an actor turned musician? I'm not sure actually, because when was like Jamie Foxx's like first role? I think he was in a sitcom in the '90s. It might have been. Hmm. So I think he might have been actor first then. Musician because he started making music when like Kanye was making music. He actually got him to. And that's around the time he was getting really big as an actor because he was in like um, 
the Ray Charles, Ray Charles movie. movie. Yeah. Then he was in Collateral. Oh, that's an he was nominated. He was nominated for both of both of those movies, like in the same year. Damn. Yeah. What a legend. Yeah. He does a great job in both. I hoped he won it for like you know he's amazing as Ray Charles. It's like you're actually seeing Ray Charles. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But he's great uh, in Collateral as well, which is a movie. Hopefully, it was Barbara Streisand. Sorry, you finished your thought. Collateral. I think we're gonna screen it at Film Club. Yeah, later in the year. Later in the year. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm psyched for that. Wait, was Barbara Streisand a singer before she became a director, or director before she became a singer? Uh, I mean, she was an I'm actress, not familiar with her background. right? I know she won. She was nominated for a bunch of Oscars. Yeah. So, like, when did she first start directing? That is the uh, question. I don't even. I didn't even know that she directed films. Oh, so yeah. that's pretty oh, interesting. David Byrne. David Byrne. Mm-hmm. He's from the band Talking Heads. Oh. And then he became a director okay. and a writer. Yeah. And what did he direct? Uh, this movie called True Stories. Um, Gonna have to check that out because I do enjoy some Talking Heads. I'm not like a huge fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as you can tell because I didn't even know the guy's name. Well, Apparently Prince directed something. Uh, didn't he do Purple and White? I don't think he directed it. He said Prince was able to direct Under the Cherry Moon. Huh. I, I've never heard of well, that. Well, I guess that, that works. I'm not familiar with the subject matter to speak he is, authoritatively he is the, about it, so... But Boots Riley is probably the, the best example, I feel. So, so far, so far, so far yeah. yeah. So far from what we have uh, seen, Boots Riley. I would like and would also not like him to make a Marvel movie <laughs> because it's like he would do such a good job and like one with one of like the cosmic figured yeah. out there ones. Yeah. I would like to see him do that, but at the same time, I don't want anyone to like infringe upon like his creative vision. Yeah, because I know what's gonna happen. Yeah, that's what that's what happens with Marvel. What happened with uh, like was that the same thing for Taika Waititi? Uh, in uh, Thor Ragnarok because I feel like that was his vision and it was fantastic. Well, Thor needed a rebranding. Yeah. So yeah. Disney was probably game for anything. Oh. They yeah, probably wanted Disney. to make it more like Guardians of the Galaxy because Thor sucks. Thor 1 and 2 sucks. Yeah. yeah. Really Ragnarok bad. is fire though. So I guess they were, they were probably down for anything at that point. Yeah. yeah. So I hope uh, we have something that is like turns to shit and we need to revive it, like Disney needs to revive it so they'll be down for anything. And then they give Boots Riley. Get, get over Guardians 3. <laughs> did you Damn, know? that. I'm only thinking, look, it's like, I would love it if he did Guardians 3, but it just he did Guardians 3. Like, it was just his vision. Completely. Oh, yeah. Well, because I think the script is already written. Guardians, yeah. Guardians yeah. 3 is going to be so not good. Yeah. Just watch it. It's, yeah, it's going to be okay. They're going to have a step, they're going to use part of kind of script. Oh. And then they're going to use. Uh, they're gonna use some set director for hire, and it's not gonna be nearly as good as the first two. So there you go. Wait, so who were the first two? Or what? Oh no, I mean like you mean oh you mean first two? I thought there was like Guardians two. I thought there was like two choices for directors who then dropped out or whatever. No, no, it's gonna be bad. So yeah. Uh, anyone know who is gonna be directing it though? Or like no, the project's on hold right now. Huh. Yeah. Way to go, Disney! That was Way to go, Disney. That was, no, James Gunn is gonna suicide. Is, is he cross the aisles? Yeah, is he, is he I, writing, I don't think he's writing and a possibility to direct. 
No confirmed directing yet, however. If he uh, writes it, DC's pretty desperate. I guarantee they give it to him. Yeah. We're um, making a Joker and Harley Quinn movie. Let's just... Let's what's just the movie? What's the Joker movie with Walking Phoenix? Like, what is, yeah. what is that? That's their... I think it's called their Black Label. It's their different... It's their separate universe or whatever. Oh. No, it's not Black Label. That's their new thing. Never mind. Forget what I just said. It's different. It's separate from their, their universe. That sucks. Do they know what so wait, are they gonna do like what are they gonna do with Flashpoint? Are they just gonna reset thing? Like, cause I feel like that's what they're gonna do. Look, this is like cool for another issue. I can rant forever about this thing because this is so. They're what they've done is they've literally taken a multi-billion-dollar franchise and before it even got off the ground, squandered it all. Yeah. Like they're like, let's make really bad movies, get them out the gate as quick as possible, and then never like you know never realize the full potential of any of these characters. Or do anything like Marvel did, right? Yeah. At a really good positioning of what they could have done, yeah. squandered it. They really squandered had to, like, it. You know, but I feel like Nolan basically ruined DC because he just did something. Oh, so he just good. knocked out the park and said, "Well, I'm out of here." Yeah, and I feel like nobody can. Uh, could anyone like reach that potential? Uh, like in DC, could have anyone uh, done that? You know, uh, without like uh, studio interference. Well, no one has cachet. He can do whatever he wants. That dude's got so many blank checks. He's the only, mm, we'll wrap it up after this, but he's the, one of the only people on the Warner Brothers lot that has final edits. He and Clint Eastwood are the only ones Warner Brothers will give final edits to. Damn. Only those two people. So uh, it tells you how A, bad WB is with their like directors in their yeah. stable, but it also tells you how much like, how much swing Christopher Nolan did like. If you want to make a movie like Dunker, you would you couldn't get that done yeah. with like a normal first time director, or even like a per second director. Christopher Nolan's been doing like hit after hit for them for many years, so yeah, especially like it. blockbuster hits too. It's not just like a you know award nomination type thing like a lot of other directors. Uh, he just produces you know giant blockbuster success. He's all about so. the theatrical experience, and that's oh, what makes yeah. him good. Yeah, um, so, now that we've delineated so far away from the, you know, the film, I think, yeah, any, any closing thoughts or are we... Closing uh, thoughts, it's a, it's a fantastic film. That's like, from, you know, if, if you would like to get anything out of this podcast, it's, it's a fantastic original movie that uh, impressed me. I haven't been impressed in a while. It's an out-of-this-world social commentary and... I was absolutely shooketh. <laughs> yeah. Definitely give it a chance. Go in open-minded. It, it is... It will be jarring near the end. Especially if you're not expecting it, but I think we've already told you that. Yeah. So you're anticipating... It's not, it's you're not a film for everybody. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, definitely different and unique. Um, trying to talk about a lot of social elements and whether it... Whether it achieves a full, complete commentary on those individual ailments, they all add up to a depiction of society that's better. That's the sum of the whole as opposed to like the individual parts. Yep. So definitely give it a chance. We're going to wrap it up here. Yep. Uh, right. Follow us on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter. Twitter. Uh, um, the Amazon Smile link will be provided later on, maybe. Oh. Oh. <laughs> By the time this episode is released. Uh, you're in the final days 
of uh, shirts being available. You have until the 26th. That gives you four days to buy our shirts. Buy our shirts. They're really cool. Go to CODIS. People will like you more if you buy our shirts. CODISIBUY.com slash Club. Our shirts are on there. Please buy our shirts. That's how you support the podcast. That's how we, you know, no one wants to host hour-long podcasts for free and stream them anytime. So, you know, you know, help us with our subscription fees and, you know, that's it. Yeah. Uh, but, well, yeah. This has been the UW Film Club podcast. Thank you, Jim, for joining us on our first episode. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's been great. All right. Oh, oh. Until next time, until next week, thank you for joining us. Peace. Bye.